Thank you so much for being here today. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor, um, and I struggle with electronics. I'll just uh, say that up front. Um, I want to say welcome. Thank you so much for being here this morning, whether or not you're uh, joining us here in this room in screen one, or if you're over in screen two, welcome. Good to see you. And uh, also, if you're joining us online, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us as we open God's word today. And my prayer uh, during this, I've been praying this through this week and, and this morning uh, as, during our prayer time as well, and all the way through, that each and every one of you would have an encounter with the living God, that as we open the Bible today, we're going to see Jesus speaking, and I pray that these words would, would, uh, would uh, sink deep into your heart, open your mind, and that you would see Jesus as he is, and that you would have an encounter with God this morning. We are going to be continuing in our sermon series in the book of Matthew, and in chapter 13 specifically, where he is uh, teaching us in parables, okay? So a parable is a story with a spiritual meaning to it, and that meaning might not always be obvious, okay? So sometimes it's a little more hidden than others, and you got to work and dig a little bit. And so far, we've seen, uh, so we've seen parables about soil, and we've seen parables about weeds, and we've seen parables about mustard seeds, and about leaven and bread, and these are full of imagery of what the kingdom of heaven is like, who the king is, and our response to him. And so we've, we've seen all these things start to play out. And today we're going to be addressing, as Jesus addresses, uh, he's going to be talking about the kingdom of heaven again. And this time he's going to be talking about the value of the kingdom. And value is a very interesting thing, right? For, for some of us, some things might be more valuable than other things, right? If you got a holographic jigglypuff, if you know what that is, and you're like, dude, that thing's worth a lot of money. It's not to me, but for some people it is, right? Like, it's a Pokemon joke. Um, so, uh, like, are, are, what are these different things that we have that are of different value to different people? But we would say, I'll tell you this, that the kingdom of heaven is more valuable and, it, and we will all see it as extremely valuable regardless of culture, regardless of place, regardless of time, regardless of socioeconomic status, any of that. All people, when seeing the kingdom of heaven, will be in awe because it's incredibly valuable. And I got to thinking about value this week and I, and I found an article on Insider, um, and it was talking, it came out in July of 2020, and it was talking about the most expensive auction items of the last decade. Like, so what were the things that were auctioned off? What were the things that were the most valuable things auctioned off in the last decade? And here were some of them. Uh, the first one was a dress that Kate Winslet wore in the movie Titanic. Um, so if you were all about that, that would run you $330,000 to buy that dress. It must be amazing. Um, uh, Audrey Hepburn's uh, working script of Breakfast at Tiffany's, that script sold for $811,615. If you're the guy that bet eight, eleven, six, ten, you would be really upset, I would think. Get a beat up by five bucks. I just think that's an interesting eight, eleven, six, fifteen. It's quite a number. Uh, a drum kit that was played by Ringo Starr while he was touring with the Beatles in the kind of 62 to 64 range. That drum kit sold for $2.2 million. Just a little under what we bought that for. Just kidding. We didn't. It's, it's just, um, so $2.2 million drum kit by Ringo Starr. An 18th century Stradivarius violin sold for $15.9 million. 
um, in the last decade. But my favorite was a Chinese vase that was sold for $9 million. And the reason why this was my favorite is because for the previous 50 years, it sat in a woman, in a European woman's pet-filled country home. So she's hanging out in the country for 50 years. She's got this vase laying around. And I don't know if she brought it into Antiques Roadshow or something, but they brought it in. And it's worth $9 million. So we think about the, what, what is someone willing to pay? What's the value to these things? But I will tell you this, and this is what we're going to get to today, and this is the big idea, is that the kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything you are currently chasing. The kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything you are currently chasing. And we like to chase lots of things. Like, think on this with me for a second. What are we chasing in order to give us, uh, give us um, power? What are, we, what are we chasing in order to give us identity? What are we chasing in order to give life meaning? What are we chasing after that we think that once I get this, then I'll be satisfied? Right? So for some people, it's physical beauty. And so we will chase physical beauty and, and we'll spend every last dime on that, right? So for some people, it is status. And so they will, make, they will make sacrifices of family and friends in order to work hard, in order to achieve something and get to this rank or this status, whatever that might be. We chase after that. I had a pastor one time tell me, show me your bank statement and show me your calendar and I'll show you what you care about. Show me your bank statement, show me your calendar, and I will show you what you care about. Because we can give lip service to stuff all day long. But if we're not giving of our time, if we're not giving of our talents, if we're not giving of our treasure to something, then do we really value that? He says, show me your bank statement, show me your calendar, and I'll show you what you treasure. So what are we chasing? What are we chasing to satisfy? And that's what Jesus is going to get at today. We're going to be talking about like as people chase these things. So we're going to dive in to understand what Jesus is talking about. We're going to be in Matthew 13, starting in verse 44. And we're going to see two parables today, one about a treasure and the other about a pearl. And so we're going to be in Matthew 13, starting in verse 44. And this is Jesus speaking. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered it up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So the treasure is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. Okay. It's kind of the search for buried treasure right? There's buried treasure all over the place because back in this day, in this time, um, the banking system isn't what it was. We don't have, we don't have, uh, you know, a safety deposit box. Like people would diversify their funds like we do now, except, you know, we do it like, you know, in like stocks and bonds and CDs and stuff like that. They would diversify their funds like in a field and in a mattress and in a shelf and, you know, like in a jar, people would hide their treasure all over the place. And this is the case for this, that there was somebody who, who, who had, uh, had a treasure and they buried it in their field. Now we don't know what happened to the original owner of the field, but often what happened is the owner would die and somebody would, you know, come across it. Um, that's kind of what we see here is that somebody was coming across a buried treasure. Now, I don't know if you're, if you're like a buried treasure, like, you know, you watch all those treasure shows and you're, you're into that, but, but there's treasure all over the place. And what this guy saw was a treasure buried in a field. And this treasure was so valuable 
This treasure was so valuable that he was willing to sell everything he had in order to buy this field because in the field laid the treasure. Sometimes treasure is found in the most unlikely of places, right? Like the woman with the vase and the, you know, and the, you know, for 50 years, it was just like, oh, what do you do with this vase? Oh, I keep plants with it. Oh, there's some cat hair, <laughs> you know, like, and suddenly like they look back, they're like, this is worth more than your life kind of moment, right? Treasure can be found in the most unlikely of places. And what he's, what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of heaven is like coming across a buried treasure and when you do, you are so excited that, that this man was so amazed by it, he was willing to take immediate action. He said, this is incredible. I have to have this. He was willing to take immediate and drastic actions. And that is, he sold everything he had in order to purchase the field. He gave up his pursuit of everything else and all of his accumulation in order to gain this treasure. And this isn't the first time, nor this will be the last time that we see this because he would do so, not only would he do this, but he would do so with great joy. It says in his joy, he did this. In his joy, he gladly jettisoned everything he owned in order to attain the kingdom. The apostle Paul was a hater of Christians and he was a persecutor of the early church. And then he encountered God and he gave his life to Jesus. And later in his life, in, in the book of Philippians chapter three, verse eight, he starts, talking about, um, he starts talking about his resume of what he had before he became a follower of Jesus. And it went something like this. He was born into good family. He went to an Ivy League school or basically the Jerusalem equivalent of an Ivy League school. He had a great internship. He had a career waiting. He was feared and respected and loved by people around him. And he says, I had it all. And I will tell you this, all of that stuff is garbage comparing knowing Jesus. All of it's garbage. He said, everything that I used to care about, everything that I wanted, everything I thought was going to make me happy, just garbage compared to knowing Jesus. This is how much the kingdom of heaven is worth to the soul of mankind. That once we have an encounter with God, once we grasp this, once we stay looking at him in this, is that, is that everything else just pales in comparison. And you start asking yourself, why did I care so much about this? Why did I care so much about the opinions of other people? Why did I care so much about the accumulation of stuff? Why did I care so much about impressing someone? Why did I care so much about having this? You start like looking at it, it starts to pale in comparison going, man, I gave my life to things like that. For what? For what? Maybe you've already had that realization. Maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about that. But once you have this experience and this encounter with the living God, once you see the treasure of the kingdom of heaven and what it is and that we can have a part of it, everything else goes, oh, why do I care so much about this stuff? And he was willing to sell everything he had in doing so with great joy in order 
to attain the treasure. Jesus would go on. He, he reiterates and he, he talks about it from a different angle. He says again in verse 45, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is a little different where the, where the, the man uh, who was, who was kind of stumbled across it on the field. This one is a person who is diligently searching out great treasure. This one is the guy who is, he's, he's an expert in his field. He is, he is, uh, he's well-educated and he has spent his life looking for things of value. He spent his entire life. He's a merchant. He's looking for things of value. He was searching some things out, but not yet finding it. And then he comes across in his, in his wanderings, in his searchings, in his, in his uh, ways of going about life, he finds the pearl of great price. He finds this pearl of great value. Now, he has seen a bunch of stuff in his life. He's seen counterfeit. He has seen the things that are of lesser value. He's seen things with flaws. He's seen things that don't measure up. He's seen a lot of different things. And when he sees the pearl of great value, he immediately sells everything and buys that pearl. This is someone who knows the value of something and says, this is far better than everything. This is a once in a lifetime moment and I'm going to take hold of it. This, is, this, doesn't, this doesn't repeat itself. This doesn't, this doesn't come around. I'm going to lay hold of this pearl of great price. There's this knowing in that moment. For someone who's searching, there's that knowing moment where it, like, it's knowing that passes, surpasses knowledge in a weird kind of like I, the best way I can say it is that there's this knowing that passes knowledge, that you just know moment. He knew what he was looking at. He had seen everything else, and he knew that this was rare. As a pastor, I get asked a lot, how did you know? How did you know, or when did you know? I get that a lot. So people who are like, how did you know that you wanted to marry Natalie? And I was like, I met her. Have you met my wife? She's incredible. You'd want to marry her too. She's taken. Yeah, right? So we have that moment. Like, how did you know? How did you know? Like, or when did you know? Like, when did you know it was time to get married? Or when did you know? Or how did you know it was time to have kids? Or, or when did you know that you were called to ministry? Or how did you know that you were called to be a pastor or be a church planter? How and when? And, and there, there's, there's lots of different things that play into it, right? There's, there's the, you know, confirmation of other people speaking into those things and, and those moments. By the way, when I told my wife, or when I told my grandma I got engaged to Natalie, her response was, it's about time. So, so apparently I was behind the eight ball um, for my grandma. Um, but how do you, how do you know when these things are? And here's the thing is like, there just comes a moment when you know, and that's super frustrating. If you haven't had that moment yet, whatever the, you know, when do you know? Like, I don't know. It's just, you just, you just know. And, and we, want to, we want to quantify that. We want to put a mathematical equation to it. We want to have 18 steps to, but sometimes there just comes a place where you're just like, this is it. And for this merchant, this was the moment. He's like, I'm never going to see 
another treasure like this ever again. This is it. This is it. I've seen my share of counterfeits, but this is going to satisfy. This is going to satisfy the deepest longings and all of my searching. Because the kingdom of heaven is more valuable than anything you're currently chasing. It's more valuable than anything you're currently chasing. You're like, how can you be so sure? And I'm like, because the kingdom of heaven is amazing. You're like, what does it look like? And that's where I want to challenge you with something today. Okay. I want to challenge you with something. I want you to read four chapters in the Bible this week, four chapters, not just any random chapters. I got four specific ones that I would, I'm going to challenge you to read today or even throughout this week. And I'm a slow reader and it doesn't take me long to read these four chapters. Now, the first two chapters I want you to read are the first two chapters of the first book of the Bible, okay? So in Genesis, the book of Genesis is the first one, right? So it's, it's at the beginning. So Genesis is there. And, and you'll know that you're, when it says in the beginning, that's where you start. Fair enough, okay? So, so it says in the beginning, and you read one and two. And what you're going to see in chapters one and two of Genesis is Phil Collins. Just kidding. That's a Genesis joke. Some of you got that. Some of you don't. It's okay. It was bad. It was bad. It was a bad joke. So in Genesis one and two, it talks about God creating the earth and he creates this world and it's beautiful and it's glorious and good. And he creates a garden. And I think so often we get trapped in our brain about garden being something really tiny and small. Like I have a garden in my backyard. So people are like, God created a garden. Like so did I, right? No, think national park. Think on that scale of things. The garden of Eden had four rivers coming out of it. Okay. It's a big garden. It's God size because that's what God does, right? So he's like, it's this huge garden, right? And, and it's this beautiful thing where God walks with his people in the cool of the day and everything they put their hands to succeeded. Like every work, every bit of work that they did was meaningful. And every relationship that they had with God and with each other was, there was no guilt, there was no shame, there was no baggage, there was no hiding and they didn't need to. They were just free and being able to experience a relationship where they didn't go, oh, I don't know what they're thinking or this, that, or, you know, playing all those games. None of that. There were no, there were no mind games. It was just beautiful, perfect relationship. That's what God created when he says, I'm going to create the world. I'm going to create it good. And I'm going to have a place. And then mankind rebels against God in chapter three, breaks everything. But the first two chapters are the first part. The, la the second two chapters that I want you to read is I want you to read the last two chapters of the last book of the Bible, okay? The book of Revelation, okay? Chapters 21 and 22. So you get Genesis 1 and 2, Revelation 21 and 22. And what you see is this. God created this beautiful garden. And at the end, God creates this beautiful city, where, where, where he created two people. Now there's myriads of people, thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10. There's massive groups of people and culture and beauty in this wonderful, beautiful city that he has made. And in the city, there's this incredible thing where they have this beautiful tree that is the coolest, craziest tree. I can't wait to see it because it's got 12 different kinds of fruits, all bearing different fruits in different months. 
So like each month is a different fruit out of the same tree. It's gonna be, I can't wait. That is the craziest, coolest tree. And it says that the leaves of the tree, get this, it says the leaves of the tree are the healing of the nations. That, that in God's kingdom, in his heavenly city, there is healing for the nations. That there's not gonna be war and strife amongst different people groups in different countries, different tribes, different ethnicities, different races. That there's gonna be, not only are we gonna be a people under our king, but there's actually gonna be healing relationally for the nations. That's beautiful. And it says God will dwell with his people again. And we'll be able to go in and there'll be eternal joy and this communion with God. And not just that he lets us in, but he brings us in as family. And we will be citizens of this kingdom. And we will be able to create and we'll be able to, to walk with God. That is the heavenly city. This is the kingdom of heaven that we're talking about. And get this, it's 100% real. It's real. It exists. And the heavenly city will come to this earth and it will redeem and renew the entire, all this earth that we live on right now will be completely redeemed without sin, without weeds, without decay. And it will be everything. And God will dwell with his people. It's real. And it's so beautiful and it's so gorgeous that when we look at the treasure of the kingdom of heaven, we go, that's better than any kingdom I'm trying to build for myself. It's better. It's better than, than, than anything I'm currently chasing. And so as we think about this today, as we think about the implications of this, as well as how do we apply this beautiful thing to our life, let's just start with implications. Number one, Jesus is better. Just please remember that today. Jesus is better. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to be tempted sometime today or sometime this week to do something that God doesn't want you to do. You're going to chase after that thing or that person or that whatever it is. And you're going to think that that's what's going to satisfy. Please, please, please remember, Jesus is better. He's better than the website that you wanted to go to. He's better than the substance that you wanted to lean on for your soothing of your pain. Jesus is better. Number two, the lasting value of something is rarely found on the surface. The lasting value of something is rarely found on the surface. These things came with some effort, some work, some kind of thinking through these things. And I don't know about you, but there came a moment when I was younger that I would like make fun of people who followed Jesus because they talked weird and they looked funny and they didn't do the things that I did. And I was like, do I really want to be a part of that? I'm having so much fun. And yet once I started to follow Jesus, I was like, oh, I get it. There's a rest for my soul. There's a joy that passes the situations that I'm in. And I have nothing to prove to my God. 
I'm not as good as my last sermon. I'm not as good as your last, you're not like, you have nothing to prove with God. Isn't that amazing? He loves you and you have nothing to prove. Well, what does that leave us? Um, Enjoyment, relationship, growing. And that's what's found in the kingdom of heaven. Implication number three, some people stumble onto the kingdom and some people find it upon diligent search. Some people come across it like the treasure in a field. You're like, I wasn't looking for Jesus, but he found me, right? I wasn't looking and this is what happened. I didn't, you know, like some of you stumbled in here today. You're like, I don't even know why I'm here. You're like, I I don't know. I got up earlier than usual and I went for a drive and I saw that I just kind of stumbled in. What's going on here? By the way, that's happened before here at this church. How did you get here today? Well, I was walking to the CVS and I saw that I thought I'd walk in. Cool. Thanks for coming. They ended up giving their lives to Jesus. It's amazing. Some people stumble into these things. Some people, like I grew up in a Christian home, just kind of stumbled into it, right? Some people find the kingdom upon diligent search. They've been searching and searching. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you've been searching and searching and you find everything just left you wanting and more thirsty and more depressed and more empty because no matter how many times you filled it with something else, it's just never quite satisfied. And there's many stories of people in this church of that very story. I searched and I searched and I searched and I wanted everything and then I found Jesus. And so today, as we think about these things, I want you to, uh, next steps, I want you to do this. First, evaluate your life. How do we apply this? Evaluate your life. So number one, evaluate your life. What are you chasing? What are you chasing right now? What are you chasing? What do you, what do you long, like, if you're like, if this would just, if I could just have this, then, then I would be happy. Then I would have an identity. Then I would, right? What are you chasing? And after you decide, after you like look through and do some hard thinking about what it is that you're chasing after to build your own kingdom, to develop your own stuff, then I would say, ask God to align your heart with his. And admit that you've been chasing things other than God and other than his kingdom. God, I've been chasing because I've been going after, I'm addicted to this thing, or I'm addicted to people, or I'm addicted to this someone, or I'm addicted to whatever. I'm continually chasing after this And God, would you, would you align my heart with yours? Would you help me care about the things that you care about? Would you help me love the things that you love? Would you help me laugh at the things that you laugh at? Would you help me enjoy the things that you enjoy? Would you help me see the world as you see the world? Would you walk with me in that? Would you align my heart as I walk with you? Would you straighten my path and straighten my heart so we can continually do this? This is an ongoing thing, by the way. 
Whether you've walked with Jesus for five minutes or 50 years, this is, what are you chasing after? Because we tend to wander. We have spiritual ADD. We do. We're like, Jesus, I love you. So shiny, shiny, shiny. Asking God continuously, what am I chasing after? And asking your heart, asking God to align your heart with his. And finally this, and when you do that, then make the necessary sacrifices. Life is about choices. What choices are you going to make? What are you going to hold? What are you going to let go of in order to grab hold of the treasure? These guys had to sell everything. They had to like jettison their life in order to do that. Like, what is it that you're holding onto that's keeping you from following Jesus? Maybe, maybe it's your love for yourself. You're just super self-absorbed. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's where you're at today. And you're just like, you know what? I just make everything about me all the time. And I really do believe that my opinions will change the course of history. Which is why I post so often. Say it because I love you. Say it because I love you. Maybe you're, maybe you're holding on to something else. Maybe, maybe it's not about your, maybe it's about what's been done to you. You know, there's a lot of people in this room and in screen two and online. And, and I know that there's a lot of things that have been horrifically bad for people. Like real pain has been caused and inflicted upon you. Real hurt, real wounds. But you're holding on to the bitterness. And you're holding on to the unforgiveness. And somewhere along the way, it became your identity itself. God says, I have joy for you. I have pleasure for you. But you got to let go of this because this is robbing you. This is robbing you. What do we need to let go? What do we need to sacrifice in order to walk with God? Maybe it's the opinions of other people. Maybe it's the memory of someone who said you'd never measure up and you've been spending your entire life trying to prove them wrong. Whatever it is, you can sell all of that and gain the treasure and the pearl of great price, the kingdom of heaven, which is available to all of us because of what Jesus has done for us. The only reason we even know that this treasure exists is because Jesus put it there. He lived this life perfectly. He died the death that you and I deserve. He rose from the dead victoriously and he gives eternal life to all who would put their trust on him. And that heavenly city, that heavenly city that we talked about earlier, we can all be a part of. And man, I would really love to see you there as we worship Jesus together. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this opportunity to open the scriptures and see what you would have for us. 
God, I thank you for what you're doing in and all of our lives. And God, today I pray that, that maybe even for the first time, people would see the treasure hidden in a field or the pearl of great price. And for all of us, God, as we continue to chase after things, God, will we stop our running and stop our chasing and stop grabbing onto things when we can let go so that we can turn and see you, trust you, put our hand in yours and walk with you in joy. God, help us to see the value of the kingdom. Help us to see it accurately. God, please forgive us of our sins. Help us walk with you anew today. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.